So today after church, I'm going to have lunch with Jung, and we're going to eat something that you should put in your mouth, and it's okay. Um, but I want to give you guys a little game to play at lunch today. Um, I call this Table for Four. And what I want you to do with the people that you're having lunch with, friends, family, whoever it is, just have this discussion with them. If you could have dinner with any three people, who would it be? Dead or alive. They'd be, they'd be alive for lunch, but like they could have already died. <laughs> right? Three, any three people that you want. Now, as a pastor, I'm required by law to say mine would be, you know, Jesus, Paul, Moses, right? And, and as a Christian, yeah, for sure, Jesus, right? That's obviously number one. But as a golfer, <laughs> I have to say, man, like if I could get Jack Nicholas, he would, he would probably bump Moses because <laughs> just if, like if it could be like lunch at the driving range, you know, that would. So just think about like what, in your situation, if you're tight on money, wouldn't it be cool to spend some time with a real money expert. Wouldn't you love to have lunch with Charles Schwab, right? Or Warren Buffett, they could give you some advice. Or Elon Musk, he could give you a couple of billion dollars and not even feel it, right? If you have like health issues, maybe you say, man, if I could just spend some time with somebody who really understands medicine, who could really kind of help me through this stuff. Or maybe you're confused about your future. And you'd say, man, if I could just talk to like some kind of life coach or somebody that could just, just help me. You know, or maybe it wouldn't even be somebody that could help you. Maybe it would just be somebody that you love. I would give anything to have lunch today with my dad, who passed away two decades ago, right? There's probably people that you would love to spend time with just because you love them. Or maybe just, like, interesting people, right? That from history, I mean, how would you like to have lunch with Martin Luther King, right? I mean, that, that guy's probably got some good stories, I'm thinking, right? Yeah, that would be amazing to sit with him. Leonardo da Vinci? I mean, wouldn't you like to just talk to that dude for a little while and just, and just like hear their stories and try to understand their minds and just spend some time with them? So it's a fun game and it's an amazing thing to sit around and think about what it would be like to really spend time with really great, really brilliant, really amazing people. And so today we're starting this series about prayer and I want us to start off by just imagining that concept with God. What if you could spend time with the creator of everything? What if you could have a conversation with the healer? Right? What if you could spend a couple of hours with the one that knows the future and knows what's best for your future? What if you could spend time with someone who loves you more than your earthly father or your spouse or your friends? It's an amazing thing, huh? To think I could spend time. I could have conversation. Right? I, could, I could experience God, it's an incredible thing. And I think sometimes it starts with just not taking that for granted. You know, I think sometimes we just kind of forget what an incredible privilege that is. And I'll tell you who did not forget it was Jesus' disciples. Because they came to him and they asked him, remember? I always think it's funny. They didn't ask him, teach us to walk on water. Right? Teach us to multiply food. Teach us to bring back the dead. Teach us to heal people. Teach us to preach amazing messages. Teach us to create worlds. They came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Because they saw what an amazing, incredible thing it is to be able to actually interface with the creator of everything. So let me ask you a question. When the disciples came to Jesus and they said, teach us to pray, did they not know how to pray? 
I mean, had they never prayed before that day? I mean, these are good Jewish boys, right? They're, they're praying three times a day, these, these, these traditional prayers, but they wanted something more than that, right? They didn't, they, they didn't just want to pray. I think what they really meant was, Lord, teach us to pray like you pray, right? Because Jesus wasn't just in contact with the Father, right? It wasn't just communication. It was communion. It was different with him. I mean, John 10, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. I mean, that's how together, that's how connected we are. And the disciples wanted that. And so do I. Don't you? I mean, don't you want that kind of communion? I mean, communication, that's cool, right? Connection, that's cool. But don't you want to commune with God? Don't you want to, like, experience him? And wherever you're at, maybe, you, maybe your prayer life right now is, now I lay me down to sleep, right? If that's where you are, that's great. Don't you want the next level? Right? Maybe you're praying for hours every day, and it's this amazing communication and connection with God, but don't you want, like, even the next level? than that, I, I think we all do. And I saw an interesting perspective this week in a book I was reading. It was about a famous passage that you've all heard. It's Luke eleven nine. 9. This is Jesus talking. And he says, I tell you, keep asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. So it's ask, seek, knock. And what I was reading was how this could represent different levels of interacting with God. So at, at the first level, the first level of prayer is asking, just asking for stuff, just asking for help. Bless me, help me, heal me, lead me, empower me. And that's great. We, you, should, you should absolutely, absolutely do that. But really seeking him it's a whole nother level of prayer, isn't it? To really say, God, I mean, I want to see you. I, wanna, I really, really want to, I really want to know you. So it's asking and then like next level, seeking. And then this idea of knocking on his door. I mean, think of the implications of that. What I'm saying to him is, I want to come, I want to be where you are, right? I want to be at home with you. I want to sit at the table with you. I want to commune with you. I want, to, I, want to, I want to be with you and experience you. And that's, that's what we want, right? That, that's like the ultimate thing we want, not just, not just asking him for stuff, but actually knowing him and really experiencing him on whatever the next level is for you. And it's this way in all of our relationships, right? You guys know my wife, Margaret. A lot, of you, a lot of you know her well enough to ask her for a favor, right? She's a nice person. She'll probably say yes, right? And then some of you have really spent time with her, and you've really gotten to know her a little bit better than that. And so that's like another level. But I'm just going to tell you now, you don't know her like I know her, right? Because you haven't experienced her like I've experienced her. We've been married for 43 years. And Margaret says it feels just like 10 minutes. <laughs> Underwater. <laughs> and that's, I mean, 
We have a different kind of relationship than you can have with her because you don't have the experience. Like we have, I can, I can look at her and she'll know what I'm thinking, right? We have like little inside jokes that you just, you, you, don't, you, don't, you wouldn't get them if I told you about them, right? I can say the word mimosa to Margaret and she will laugh. If she was in here, I'd bring her up here and show you. And, 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 and you know why? I'm not gonna tell you. And it's, that's an inside thing, right? That's just for us. We have something special, right, that you don't get in on. And don't you think that Jesus and his father, after all of eternity, has some stuff like that? Don't you think they have some inside jokes? I mean, aren't you sure that Jesus can say, like, Philistines, right? And he knows exactly what he's talking about. Right? What an Ahab that guy is. And he knows exactly what he's talking about. This is, and that, listen, listen, that comes from a lifetime. That comes from an eternity of communication, but not just communication, communion, right? Really being together. And this passage, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, that's what it means. It says never stop praying. Never stop praying. And people read that and they say, so what does that mean? I'm supposed to walk around my whole life on my knees, right? I'm supposed to walk around with my eyes closed and like this all the time in my life. No, it means something way more than that. It means constant complete, open, real communication with God all the time about everything, right? Stuff we need and what we're afraid of and like who he is and what he loves. And the best part of that communication is when it gets to the level of communion, when we can just really be with him, whether we're talking or not. So in this series, we're gonna be sharing some ideas to hopefully get us all to the next level, just, just ideas from the life and the teaching of Jesus so that we can engage and experience and enjoy God in our prayer lives. Um, so we're gonna look at the Bible a lot, obviously. We're also gonna be sharing some extra biblical resources, some podcasts, some great apps, some great books. And you can find these at mycbcb.com prayer. If you go there, you can find a lot of these resources and a lot of great stuff about prayer. Um, a couple of them I'll recommend to you right now. First of all, is this book right here called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools by Tyler Staten. It's an amazing, amazing book with an amazing, amazing title. This one is How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People by Peter Gregg. And I cannot, I'm telling you, these, these two books have transformed my prayer life. And I think they'll do the same thing for you. In fact, if you're visiting today, if you'll stop at the Connection Center, I'll give you one of those books. These are life-changing books. You should really check them out. One of the favorite scriptures that we talk about in this church all the time about prayer is Philippians 4, 6. Here's what it says. It says, don't worry about anything. Does that sound okay to you? Right? I mean, who doesn't want that, right? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And it tells us how. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. And then you'll experience God's peace, which, ex which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And that sounds awesome, right? Just tell God what you need, thank him for what he's done, boom, right? Instant, like complete, no stress, no peace. It's like prayer is the ultimate anxiety killer. So do you guys, how many believe in the Bible? Oh, it's a lot of you. So <laughs> like, why don't you do it all the time? Why don't I do it all the time, right? If God loves me completely, if he's completely powerful, he knows the future, he knows what's best, plus prayer takes away my anxiety. 
why are we not praying 24-7? And I think the first thing, everybody's going to like, oh, I'm busy. And I, man, I get it. We, we, are, we are that. We are, we're busy. The work stuff. Family stuff. And mowing the yard and paying the bills and paying the taxes. And, right? and if your kids are in sports, you know, right? Plus, remember a couple of weeks ago, Mike was talking about um, most of us are spending about four hours a day on our cell phones. So that means we've cut our 24-hour day down to a 20-hour day. So if I'm going to work and raise my family and pay my bills and coach a soccer team and be a good spouse and be a good neighbor and be a good friend and keep up with the news and keep up with the weather and post brilliant stuff on social media and master Candy Crush, if I'm going to do that in 20 hours a day, I mean, something, something's got to give. And sometimes it's prayer. And I know, look, we're all super busy. And yet, when something is really important to us, we usually find a way to make it happen, right? We somehow find time. We're all busy, right? How many of you found time to eat yesterday? <laughs> I mean, I did <laughs> a couple times. So it's, it's, it's not just time. It's not, obviously, it's not just time. And maybe it's also like priority. Like maybe we just don't see how important prayer is. But as Tyler Stanton points out in this book, Praying Like Monks, a lot of the reason we don't pray is fear. And in this book, he outlines some of the top fears that keep people from praying. In my personal list of reasons, of fears that I have that keep me from praying, and, and the reasons that a lot of you have told me that you don't pray are these same, at least a couple of these same fears. So my list is pretty similar to his list. The first is like this fear that it won't work. Right? What if, what, if I, what if I ask for something and it's no? That's, that's a scary proposition, right? Or what if I say, God, I just want to feel your presence. And then it, and then it doesn't happen. Like, what, is that, what is that? Does that mean he doesn't care? Like, I don't want to face that. So if I have that fear, then I end up praying these like super safe prayers. Right? Because I'm afraid. Right? So it's like, God... <laughs> I know you're all powerful and you love me completely. So if it be thy will, please, you know, let the sun come up tomorrow or something. If you're, if you're praying a prayer that you can't tell the difference if it's answered or not, that's a pretty safe prayer. And that might be an indication that you have a fear that it won't work. Or maybe you're not praying because you have this fear of silence that's a weird, you know, I was thinking about this week, like if you've ever dated or you're in the dating world or you're married or whatever, maybe you remember this, there comes this point in a relationship where somebody's going to say, I love you, right? And you know what you don't want as you plan that, right? Oh, right. Oh, I'm going to say it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'll tell you what you don't want is to say, I love you. And they're like, huh. Like the weird, like awkward silence, right? Nobody, nobody wants that. Uh, and the same, right? What, what if I say, okay, God, man, I'm in. I am in. Let's do this thing. Let's communicate. Let's have communion together, right? Let's, let's talk. I'm going to pray. And then there's just this weird, awkward silence. So I think some people honestly don't pray because of this fear of silence. I think some of us don't pray because we're a little bit afraid Deep down, maybe my stuff doesn't matter. 
right? And if, if my stuff doesn't matter, maybe that means I don't matter. And so we get this thing like, well, you know, I know God's busy with whatever, world peace and, you know, making gravity work and all that stuff. And so, and my people, a lot of people, people tell me this all the time, a lot of people have it worse than me, right? A lot of people have it worse than me, so I'm just not going to bother God, you know, with my petty problems. A lot of people don't pray because they just, they're afraid that maybe their stuff doesn't matter to God. And then I think a big one is a lot of people don't pray because they're just afraid of doing it wrong. They're like, I don't, I don't know how. I, and we always say, just talk to him. That is like such a cop-out, man. It's like, if you're not a Christian, like, I, what does that even mean to talk? Like, I don't know how. I don't know how. And I think a lot of us have that feeling. And, you know, we talked last week about comparison and what, is it, what a horrible thing it is to compare yourself to other people. But, like, have you ever been with somebody and just like, you know, it's like a circle of people praying or something, right? And somebody prays and it's just like, are they reading that? Right? It's, it's like Shakespeare, man. It's just like beautiful poetry coming out of there. It's quoting scripture. And man, they're saying everything right. And you can just feel God going like, what do you have to say? Right? It's like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want that. That's a lot of, that's a lot of pressure. And so it feels like if I, you know what, if, I, if that's right, then I, I don't know how to do it. And I, if I can't do it right, and if I can't do it well, I mean, maybe I'd rather just not do it at all. So these are the fears that keep us. And maybe you have other ones too. And we're going to try to address all those fear in the next several weeks. And I want to tell you now that it's okay. They're all legitimate and we all, we all feel them. But if they are all legitimate fears, and if we do all feel them, then like, why should we pray? And so, again, I'll give you a couple of reasons. I'll give you four reasons um, why we should pray. And a couple of these are from the same book, Praying Like Monks. Um, one is, pray because you're overwhelmed, because you are. As human beings, right, especially as Americans, and especially, let's face it, as Texans, we put a lot of stock in self-sufficiency, but this thing of trying to be everything to everybody leads to one place, man. It leads to being overwhelmed, to being, like, stressed out, and and frazzled and exhausted and angry and frustrated. I mean, we, we all get there. And what did Jesus say to do when we get there? When we feel completely overwhelmed, did he say, like, buck up? Did he say, work faster? Right? Did he, did he, did he say, try harder? Did he say, get organized? Look what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. When you're overwhelmed, when it's too much, he says, come to me. Just come to me if you're, if you're tired and if you're carrying stuff you can't carry by yourself and I will give you rest. If you want a reason to pray, pray because you're overwhelmed. Pray because trust comes before faith. It's a really interesting idea. Peter Gregg says this in his book. So Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we can't see. So he says... Faith is the assurance of things happening, but trust is something that we put in a person. See the difference? So prayer doesn't just connect us to a resource, right? Prayer connects us to God. And as we talk to him and, and listen to him and experience him, and as we like ask for his help and we see it happen, then we come to know him. We come to know his character and his power and his wisdom and his love. 
And, and that leads us to trusting his character and his power and his wisdom and his love. And if we really trust God's character, right? If we really trust his power, if we really trust his wisdom, if we really trust his love, then when we ask for something and we get a no, it doesn't wreck us because it doesn't affect our trust of God at all. So we can even come to him in these brutal, hard situations and ask him really hard questions, even when the answer is no. And I think if we're gonna, if we're gonna survive this messed up world, we, I think we have to have faith that God will eventually make things right, that God will eventually make things new. And faith in those things happening starts with really trusting God. It's a great reason to pray because trust comes before faith. Also, I mean, straight up, pray because prayer moves God and God moves everything. It's a pretty awesome thing to have the ear of a powerful God. That's an amazing thing to think that my prayers like matter, that my prayers might actually change things. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed. And then look at this part. It says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. That's a good reason to pray right there, man. Prayer. Pray because prayer moves God. And God moves everything. And a lot of people say, well, God's going to do what he's going to do anyway. And what impact do I have on that? He's, he's going to do what's right or he's going to do what's wrong, but he's going to do what he's going to do. And there's a really interesting story in Exodus. So this is, um, this is Moses and the children of Israel out there, right? And he goes up on the, on the mountain to talk to God and he comes down. You know the story, right? And they've all made the, the golden calf. You know the story, right? And remember, Aaron said, I don't know what happened. And, you know, they, we threw a bunch of gold in the fire and this calf came out. Oh, right? Remember that story? Right? So, so Moses, you know, he's really mad, but God is really mad. And God says, you know what, Mo, I'm done. I'm done with these people. I am going to just burn them down. I'm just going to kill them all, and we're just going to start over with you. That's what he says. That's what he says. And Moses says, whoa, 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 wait, just wait, just wait, just wait. You know, and then he's like, well, what about this? I mean, hey, God, have you thought about this angle, right? And he's like talking to God in a way, the Bible says he talked to him like a friend, right? So like, he's talking to God in a way that probably I wouldn't think to talk to God. But look what happens. This is Exodus 32, 14. So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster that he had threatened to bring on his people. I don't know exactly what that means, but I'll tell you this, prayer moves God. And God moves everything. So I'm not telling you that if you pray right, right, and if you have enough faith, then God's gonna do whatever you tell him, right? But what I am telling you is, prayer moves God. And God moves everything. And it's okay to ask God for stuff. It's okay. That's Philippian scripture says, tell him what you need. That's what it says. It's an, it's an imperative, right? It's an instruction, right? Jesus said, when we pray, here's how you do it. Pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. John 14, 13, Jesus says, you can ask for anything in my name and I'll do it. 
so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yeah, ask me for anything in my name, and I'll do it. There's a good reason to pray right there, man. Pray, because prayer moves God, and God moves everything. And then my fourth one is, pray to experience God. That's a good reason to pray. I mean, we, we talked about the progression, right? Ask, seek, knock. At the end of this whole thing, right? At the end of the whole idea, the whole concept of prayer is something way better than getting God to do stuff for you. It's, it's this idea of really experiencing him. Um, do you know the difference between knowing about someone and really knowing someone? The difference is experiencing them, right? And so, you know, reading about God is great. You should definitely read about God. And learning about God in sermons and lectures and podcasts and classes, that is great for sure. You should learn about God. And hearing about God is awesome, man. Talking to your friends about how they've experienced him, and that is amazing. You should absolutely have conversations with your friends about God. But the only way for you to experience God is for you to experience God. To, for you to, to talk to him and, and listen to him and spend time with him and, and be with him. Prayer. So if you if you don't pray, let me talk about like what next level means for you. Right? If 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 it feels like your prayer life is stuck, right? Or if it feels like when I pray, it's like I'm doing all the talking. I want to hear something from God. Or if it feels to you like maybe your prayers don't matter, then for the next several weeks, let's let's work on that. I mean, it's, it's too important not to, right? This is a, it's, it's an amazing privilege to interface with the creator. So we want to figure out how to pray from the life and the teaching of Jesus and from these other resources, from any resources we can get our hands on. But as we're heading into this thing, I want to put this out there. Our goal in this thing is, yeah, next level, right? Our goal, we, we, we want to pray like Jesus, that's what we want. We want to have perfect communion with God. And we want to pray often, and we want to pray well, and we want to pray effectively. We want to be in a constant state of prayer, right? We want to really experience God in prayer. And we are absolutely going to talk about some like helpful techniques and a really great template Jesus gave us to make our prayer lives more effective and more real and more better. And they're going to take us from connection to communication the communion, and we're going to hit these patterns, and we're going to talk about these techniques and these great templates. We're going to get better. We're going to get better at prayer. But for right now, the best way to pray is just to pray. The, the only wrong way to pray is not to pray. The best way for you to pray today Whatever your understanding is, whatever your experience of prayer is, the best way for you to pray today is just to pray. I don't know how to do it. What if I say it wrong? Let me tell you about a famous prayer, okay? Remember the thief on the cross next to Jesus? Remember that? Remember that story? Um, do you remember his prayer? Um, did he 
hold his hands like this? Probably not. He was on a cross, right? Okay. Did he bow his head? Doesn't say so. Did he close his eyes? I don't know. Did he quote scripture? No. Um, Did he say, dear heavenly father? No. Did he say, in Jesus' name? No. Did, Did he say, amen? No. Were there two or three gathered in his name? No. Right? Did he have the faith of a mustard seed? I don't know. This dude was a terrible prayer. Right? This guy's the worst prayer in the Bible, probably, right? What did he say? Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Was that an effective prayer? Yeah, because Jesus said, all right, cool. <laughs> all your prayers should be answered like that, right? Jesus, hell, he's like, all right, right that'd be awesome. God, God isn't, like, impressed with eloquent, fancy prayers. He's He's a, lot, he's a lot more interested in the prayer than he is the prayer. He just wants to talk to you. He just, he just wants to hear from you. And parents, maybe we can kind of understand this. If you've been separated from your children for a long time, or if you have a, a non-communicative teenager, right? Like, you just give anything to hear their voice, right? I don't, I don't care what we talk about. I just, I just want to talk. Um, I have a friend... And a few years ago, her son did some bad stuff and he got arrested. And so he's been now for a couple of years, like waiting for trial and sentencing and all that stuff to happen. And during that time, Jesus really turned his life around. And so that's amazing and that's cool. But now um, he's been sentenced. And so this summer he went into jail. And so this whole summer, they've been like moving him around. And I don't know if you guys saw this in the news, but like there was a lot of talk this year about how some of the prisons didn't have air conditioning it's like 120 in their cells and all that stuff. And in some of the prisons, there was like some riots and some horrible stuff going on. And she's reading all this stuff in the paper. She doesn't even know like where he is. So this has been three bad months for her. And on her birthday this last week, she prayed, God, I just want to hear from him. You know, I just want to know that he's okay. And a couple of minutes later, he called her. She said, that is the greatest birthday blessing ever. Do you think she cares about his grammar in that conversation? Do you think she was judging his syntax in that conversation? Do you think she was wanting him to get in the perfect posture before he talked to her? Do you think she would have preferred that he would have just waited a month until he figured it all out and he could say it exactly right? Or do you think she just wanted to hear his voice? She just loves him. She just wants to talk. She just wants to interact with him. If you have a baby who hasn't said their first words yet, right, would you rather they wait until they grow their vocabulary and they learn sentence structure and all that good stuff, or are you just aching to hear them say, mama? or dad, dad, right? So God wants to hear from you. He wants to talk to you, and he wants to hear your voice. And it's not because of your beautiful eloquence, and it's not because you've learned all the techniques. It's because of you. He wants to hear your voice because he loves you. So don't wait 
to master all of these techniques, right? Don't wait to learn all the styles and angles and issues about prayer. Just pray. And if you're so swamped with your life right now and you're just so busy that you just haven't figured out a rhythm, you know, like the only time I can pray is in the shower, you know what, then that's, then pray in the shower, right? The only time I can pray is when I'm driving my car. You know what, pray in the car. If, 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 if you feel like you don't have much to say or you don't know how to say it, it's like, well, all I know to do is like recite the Lord's Prayer, then great, pray that, pray that. If you see a beautiful sunrise or a mountaintop or an ocean and you just are amazed at God's creativity and his power and you just say, wow, good job. Great, pray that. If you see your baby born or your marriage restored, or your body healed, or relationship redeemed, or you get a job, and you just say, thank you, God. Great. Pray that. If you're completely frustrated, if you're angry at God, if you're angry at God, and all you can say to him is, I don't get it, you know, where are you? David prayed that all the time. That's great. Pray that. If you need him to save you or heal you or guide you or protect you or provide for you or get you through something that's just too hard for you and all you can say is, God, help me. Great. Pray that. Why do you know my daughter, Kristen? So when Kristen was about 13, one day I'm driving down the road down by 1604 and 281. Margaret calls me. She's at the doctor. And she says... She thinks Kristen has cancer. Doctor thinks Kristen has cancer. And I mean, my mind is racing, right? You can imagine. I don't remember what the detail, I didn't hear anything after that. So I put on the strong dad thing, right? Oh, it's going to be fine. We're going to pray. It's going to be fine. I pulled over the car. A lot of thoughts in my head. My baby girl. And I had a lot to say to God right then. But the only words that were come out of my mouth was, please, no. not the most eloquent prayer. I didn't anoint anything with oil. There weren't two or three gathered. I didn't say in Jesus' name. I didn't assume the correct posture. I put my head on the steering wheel and I said, please, no. And God heard that prayer. God answered I believe that God loved that prayer. So, if you're desperate, if you're scared, if you're overwhelmed, if 
pastor alone. If all you can say is, God, I can't do this by myself. That's great. Pray that. If you feel like you don't know how to pray right, or to pray well, or to pray pretty, we're, we're going we're gonna to learn together a lot over the next several weeks. But for now, just pray. Jesus said, come to me. Just go to him. James 4.8 says, come close to God and he'll come close to you. And the first step to coming close to God is to, to the first step to really experiencing him is to just pray. Father, thank you for this privilege that we have to interface with you. Let us never take that for granted. What an amazing blessing it is for us to be able to talk and hear from and be led by and empowered by the creator of everything. So God, man, we want, we're like the disciples now, man. We want, we want what Jesus has. We want to level up, right? And so if we're not praying at all, God, just, just, just show us at least how to ask you for stuff. And if our prayer life is just asking you for stuff, teach us to seek you in our prayers, to really want to know you better in our prayers. And if we're already doing that, then Lord, we want this next thing, man. We want to knock on your door and come into your house and sit at your table and experience you. So teach us how and give us the patience and, and the wisdom to do it. Um, give us the discipline to make ourselves pray when we don't feel like praying. And God, meanwhile, as we're learning how and as we're getting better and becoming more proficient prayers and all that, Lord, remind us that the most important thing about prayer is just to do it. That the only way to pray wrong is not to pray at all. And that the best way we can pray, wherever we are, is to just pray. Lord, teach us to pray. In your name.